What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Dark days are done, and the bright days are here. My sunny one shines so sincere. Sunny one so true. Our next guest is one of those rare talents who has something to say and can say it funny. He's a writer-performer on the new Laugh-In and one of the most popular, outspoken, and entertaining personalities on the local news here in Los Angeles. He's won a half a dozen Emmys as a film critic and host of his own shows. Let's welcome Mr. John Barber, right over there. Thank you very much. Hi again, this is John Barber. Welcome to John Barber's World here in Las Vegas. At this special time, not our usual 5 p.m. every other Monday, but this special show with the perfect special guest at this critical time in American politics. It's uh, Wednesday, April 13th, 108, a day or two after National Siblings Day. What kind of horrible holiday is that? Celebrating Cain and Abel. With so much of this crap on the Internet, much posted by idiots and politicians, Oops, I repeat myself. Folks keep telling us to research for the truth ourselves. In a nation as dumbed down as ours, and with a media as terrified of facing the truth as Hillary is in facing Bernie in debate, truth is truly difficult to uncover and unravel on the Internet or Facebook. You heard the Pope invited Bernie to speak at the Vatican, which you didn't hear. He also extended that invitation to Hillary, but couldn't afford her fee. Mark Twain said a hundred years ago, if you don't read America's newspapers, you're uninformed. If you do, you're misinformed. I find I get my best and most trusted information from reading every day Joe Satilli's brilliant, outstanding newsletter, News Vandal, by far, the best in the country, and as you know, Joe's a regular on the show, and you'll be talking to him a little bit later. Now, Joe, a week ago, broke the story here of the Panama Papers. Then a day or two later, he broke the story before we found out which Americans were named in this tax-avoiding scam. He broke the story about the IRS building in D.C. going up in flames, and I wondered aloud, why is it? When Wall Street brokers and corrupt bankers are being investigated as the towers and the building seven coming down on 911 showed us, 
their files all get destroyed. But never mind. Do you realize you and I may be facing the most important transforming election in American history, not because we have two extremely different choices, but absolutely no choice between two of the worst candidates to ever run for that office that I have ever seen. The choice between Hillary and Trump is absolutely the choice between sailing on the Titanic or flying in the Hindenburg. The best thing about Trump's entrance into this fray is that his mere presence has pointed out how absolutely corrupt the system is. Do you realize this is the very first election you will ever witness where the establishment 1% are trying to stop the two most popular leading candidates, Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump? And the reason this may be a transforming election is the rise of Bernie. If he wins New York, as I think he will, and then California, Hillary will be toast. The only way she will survive is if superdelegates scrape the burnt crumbs off of her. And if they do, I would hope that if Bernie's people cannot vote these superdelegates out of office, that they physically drag them out of office. And we might witness, as Thomas Jefferson, the most intellectual of all of our presidents, behind him is John Kennedy, Jefferson predicted that the roots of the tree of democracy must occasionally be watered with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Now, the reason for this special show is there's no one in the country more qualified and experienced to talk about this election, since he knows so well the so-called leading Democratic candidate, Hillary Clinton. He has spent half his life for them and against them. He's the best-selling author of Damage Control on Amazon, with, I must say, the best sales line I have ever read on a book. Quote, how to be caught with your pants down and still become president. Unquote. He helped fund the 1994 mind-blowing documentary, The Clinton Chronicles, and has been so popular on every talk show in the country, billed as the Clinton hitman. He now hosts his own popular show from 11 to noon on the Jeff Rents Network. It is a privilege to have him here, Larry Nichols. Larry, welcome so much to the show. Can I ask you, you know, you were supposed to be here a week ago, when you couldn't make it because of medical reasons, I got a lot of calls and emails and Facebook postings saying people were really disappointed and upset, first at me for not having you and wondering about your condition. So how are you? Will you please tell tell us how you are and what is wrong, if anything? Well, what is wrong is I have uh, lung cancer, John, and... Uh, it is progressively getting worse, but I intend to be here until November plus one. I will be here to stop Hillary. You know, I promised everybody I would, and I will. Okay, then I have a question for you. I have a number yes, of sir. for you. So let's start at the beginning. Uh, 
I read an article in Mother well, it's not quite the beginning, it's 2013. It was a Mother Jones article I read about you and Mother Jones, which is a very good periodical, visited you at your home. And at that point, two and a half years ago, you said you were going to support Hillary. Why did you say that then, and why are you changing your mind? Okay. What I actually said then was that if the Republican Party was going to give us and box us in as they had done time and time again from Bob Dole, John McCain, Mitt Romney, if they were going to think they were going to trick us again and force us to vote for the lesser, I said, then you know what I might do? I might tell them I'll vote for Hillary. You know, the the old adage is, and I've heard Cindy Sheehan say this a number of times, the lesser of two evils is still an evil. And uh, yeah. you, you were building all of these shows, and I, I, I read a lot of your stuff, which is truly interesting. I watched the Clinton Chronicles two or three times, and you described yourself as a hitman. Years ago, Larry, I had... Los Angeles most notorious gangster on. His name was Mickey Cohen, and he'd just come out of prison, and he wanted to do my show because he was doing a book. And I asked him on live television if he ever killed anyone. And he laughed, and he answered the question and said he had. He explained why, and the person deserved it. Now, that's what they call a hitman, who's somebody who does that. I don't want to be that forthright with you. But when you were with the Clintons... Did you ever do for them, to somebody, something you regret doing? I did a lot to people that I regret doing to this day. Now, let me clarify something. I did an interview with a man named Pete Santilli. I had had surgery. They had used a thing called, I think, Verset to put me to sleep. When I came home, my wife dropped me off and she went to work. Well, when I came home, the phone was ringing. I picked it up. And it was this lady, and she said, Pete, won't you own a show? I said, well, I can't do a show, but before I got that out of my mouth, I was on the air. Now, what I was trying to say, but you understand, under that drug, I would have said I was Daffy Duck. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't know who I was, where I was. But anyway, what I was trying to tell was we had a play, we had a play, we called them plays, when Clinton was governor, it was called Kill Them When They're Young. Now, if somebody was going to pose Bill Clinton a problem, whether it be in politics, maybe somebody's going to run against him, whether it be somebody's husband that he had got caught with the wife or with the daughter, then it was my job to go out and, quote, unquote, kill those people while they were young. Not meaning kill them, bang, bang, you're dead, stop breathing destroy them so that they were not credible. Dig up stuff. And if there was nothing to dig up on them, make it up. So yeah, I destroyed tons of people that did not deserve to be destroyed. Well, then why I have remorse. Since you know so much about the Clintons, why is it that that information has not destroyed them? And I, I might add that I've heard you mention a couple of times 
very, very smartly so, going over the facts surrounding the discovery of Vince Foster's uh, body mm-hmm. at, at Park. Do you think Vince Foster was done in, and if so, by the Clintons? Okay. Now, one thing you'll learn about me, John, since day one, when I came out against the Clintons, January the 16th, 1989, I had to make a deal. If I was going to tell the truth about the Clintons, I had to tell the truth about myself. And I had to tell only that which I can prove in a court of law. I can't exaggerate. I can't make stuff up. I had to tell it straight. Now, I don't know. I don't know whether Bill, whether Vince Foster was murdered or whether he committed suicide. I do not know. But I can and will prove that he did not die in Port Marcy Park. You got to remember, John, I worked with Kenneth Starr's investigation. Uh Uh-huh. And how would you prove that he didn't die in the park? Even though the evidence, (laughs) the physical evidence seems to already reinforce what you're saying. Yeah, I've got evidence beyond belief that that man did not, well, let me give a couple of simple ones in the interest of time. A couple of simple ones. In the autopsy, we were told he walked 200 yards in 95-plus degree temperature weather down a dirt trail to get from the parking lot at Fort Marcy, where he parked his car, supposedly, into the berm where the cannon was that he sat down beside. 200 yards, dirt trail. Yet, he had not one microscopic speck, John, of dust. Not one speck on his pants, socks, shoes, clothing, anywhere. Now, how do you do that? Well, if the police are aware of this, or the FBI is aware of this, how could a proper investigation have been shut down, and who would shut down such an investigation? Well, that goes back to why I will keep Hillary from being president. It has to do with Vince Foster. You see... What is it that you have that you think you can prove in a court of law that would stop Hillary Clinton? There is a a wonderful documentary out by this guy in California who raised millions of dollars for Hillary, and she's denying it. And they seem to be somehow preventing him from getting his case into court against Hillary. Why do you think you might have more luck than he would? Because I invented the Clintons, I designed, I created them for the Stevenses. I know everything about them, how they think. They know I know. And let's look at it this way. If, If they can't indict her for the email scandal that everybody obviously sees, then you would have to ask, well, how could you possibly plan to get her indicted for Vince Foster, right? Well, the, the FBI has already given her a green light on being able to run. They're, they're not investigating her. They're investigating emails. So she's off the hook right. in that respect. Now, but listen to what I said. 
Because you made a little mistake, too. Okay. I didn't... Hey guys, I got a great new deal for you. It's called Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. Now, I want you to take out a pen and paper and write down Opperman 50, O-P-P-E-R-M-A-N 5-0. Now, Factor's delicious ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan veggie, and more. Uh, there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. Snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout. And every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. Flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or schedule your deliveries anytime. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, no cooking, no cleanup needed. Now head to factormeals.com front slash opperman50 and then you use code opperman50 to get 50% off. That's code opperman50 at factormeals.com front slash opperman50. O P P E R M A N 50 to get 50% off. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, I would get Hillary prosecuted. I said I will stop Hillary from ever being president. How would you do Be that? Different. How would you do that? With the stuff that I have in my possession that's undeniable evidence in the Vince Foster case, number one, they moved the body. I can prove it. And then other things that I have. Okay, the other things. Would would one of those other things include, I believe the fellow's name was Brown that died in Europe in, in a plane crash and they found a bullet hole in his skull? Ron, Ron Brown, sure enough. I'm the guy that the people came to with the... With, I'm the one that broke all those stories. John, all the stories of the 38 major scandals against Bill and Hillary Clinton going all the way back to the 90s. Then I must 38 major scandals, 37 of them came from me. Well, if that's the case, then if that's the case, 
how come you are still alive if you're such an enemy of the Flints? And the other question would be, if you were not a heavy smoker, do you think your lung cancer, as in the case of Jack Ruby, happened just naturally? No, no. Again, I am a smoker, so therefore I can't make some allegation I can't prove in a court of law. That's right. But you're, you're, you, you, one thing people don't realize, how many times did somebody try to kill me? I'm a former Green Beret. Believe me, I have lived a rough life in a rough world. That you have. So, you know, just because somebody wants to come try to kill me, don't mean they get to do it. I get to kill them back first if I get the opportunity. You know that. Now, I, I listened to your to your show uh, today between 11 and 12. It was truly very, right? very, very interesting. And congratulations on having the show on the Jeff Rents Network. You have seemed to have come out a lot in support of Donald Trump, as a number of my f- friends have. It would seem mm-hmm. to me that if you wanted a real change in this system, the only person who seems to be talking truthfully, Larry, about the issues and the solving of these issues is Bernie Sanders. So since in 2013 you said, well, if it's, if it's McCain and those Republicans, I'll go for Hillary. But now that you have a third choice in Bernie Sanders, why would it not be Bernie Sanders? And why would you not give Bernie that information to stop Hillary? Number one. Bernie Sanders is an announced socialist. I have spent the majority of my life all over this world trying to stop communism and socialism. Well, Larry, you'll never see the the day, you'll never see the day, John, that I will stand up for this nation electing a leader that he's either a socialist, such as Sanders, or a communist, such as Hillary. Now, she calls herself a progressive. Today, progressive is the new word for communism. Well, she is not a progressive. I mean, that's a total misnomer. Now, let's go over the business of uh, socialism. You were raised, mm-hmm. your generation was raised to hate Russia and hate communists and hate socialists. But if you look at some of the programs in America that may be benefiting you, like uh, Medicare or like Social Security or like an eight-hour workday and a lot of these wonderful benefits, we had the Glass-Steagall Act instituted under FDR that prevented these scavengers in Wall Street from destroying America as they did in 2008. All of these programs, these social programs, came from the platform of the Socialist Party during the teens following the Second World War. So, you know, John, there were things that have come from the socialists that I guess you would say were good or were certainly stylized or brought about because of a socialist type system. But this nation has a problem. A real problem. We can't do anything. We don't seem to be able to do anything with limitations. We seem to go from not doing what's right 
to overcompensating and making a mess the other way. Okay, let's let's take a look at uh, some of these messes. Now, I don't. I want to get back to the Hillary thing. I don't want to get into a mm -hmm. discussion about an economic system, but it seems to me that the problem with America is unchecked and unregulated capitalism. Now, if General Motors cannot sell a car, they should go out of business. They should not Absolutely. be okay. They should not be subsidized by us. That is corporate so socialism, and the government calls right. it incentives. But let's say. You're an engineer and you've lost your job because Bill Clinton signed NAFTA and that job went overseas and he has to live on food stamps. The Republicans who begrudgingly announce that this guy's getting food stamps call it welfare and they call it a handout when it is not a handout. So the problem is not with socialism. The problem is with unfettered and unchecked capitalism. And you're the fellow that used to you worked for and you helped mold Bill Clinton with NAFTA destroyed America. I mean, Bush destroyed Iraq. That's right. Okay. You know, Bill John, Clinton listen, again. Listen. Bill Clinton also yeah. put the media in the hands of six corporations. That is unchecked capitalism. Okay, so you, you must... John, see. you're talking to the man. You're talking, know, talking to the man. To right well, that, right here. Why, that's why I would love to see you, first of all, stop Hillary. I mean, when I, I saw, when I saw them go in and murder Muammar Gaddafi in a country where there was no one homeless, no student had a student debt. As a matter of fact, Gaddafi didn't build a home for his own father until every citizen had their own home, okay? And mm -hmm. when he was murdered, Hillary Clinton was on television saying, we came, we saw he died. <laughs> yep. If I had been there, I would have hit that bitch in the face. I mean, that God. woman is totally reprehensible, so you must she, stop her. Listen, John, there's two things you need to know about me, bud. Two. Number one, you have never met a man that has done more to hurt this nation than me. Me. Why do you say that about yourself? Because I did. I developed the system that created the Clintons, got them elected, kept them elected, and the system that we built back then is now the system used every day in politics throughout Washington, D.C. and elsewhere in the country. You know, think about me. Imagine thinking when I was young, I was so damn smart, right? Right. And then seeing something that you invented that you thought was so damn brilliant, and then all of a sudden you wake up one day and it's eating Chicago. Can I now, ask no you, doubt, as, as, as a former Marine and living the life uh -huh. you live, were you in any way associated, associated with the Central Intelligence Agency? Yes. In what capacity? Whatever they needed done, I did. Are you still associated with them? No, sir. How can, you get away, how can you get away from them and live? Well, that that's like the FBI said to me, the head of the FBI for this region. He didn't know anybody that had ever been knee-deep in the mob, as I had been, the Dixie Mafia, and gotten out of it. He didn't know anybody that had been involved with the Contras and the El Salvadorians, the Nicaraguan, Costa Rican, you know, all of the things I've been involved with. 
and got out of that out of the agency without being killed. But well, that's astonishing. The other, then the other thing that I might ask you, because a lot of people have asked this question, because Bill Clinton mm-hmm. said that he was a Rhodes Scholar when he never really graduated, and then he was funded to go on a peace conference during the Vietnam War into uh, the Soviet Union. And a lot of people wondered, is that guy somehow connected as a student with the CIA? Do you think he had any connections no. with the CIA? No, he had no connection with the CIA. However... How- However, he was, he would tell me over and over again, he'd say, Nick, you know what the perfect form of government is? And I'd say what? He'd say, well, when you had ultra-rich people, that enough that you could fit in one hand, and everybody else is dirt poor, just worried about putting shoes on the kids' feet and food on the tables. That's the perfect kind of government, because then you know what happens? I'd say what? He said, then the people don't have time to worry about politics. Well, you, you don't have to please the very few people. I'd say, well, that's great, but that's communism. No, that is not communism. Communism isn't rich and poor, for crying out loud. Communism, supposedly, is everybody being equal. Now, it seems to me that that is exactly the economic system we have in the United States. And by the way, I'm sorry that I said I would hit Hillary. I'm a real, I'm a real pacifist, honest to God. But sometimes I get so enraged that somebody like Bernie doesn't play that clip all the time and look at the American people and say, do you want a woman like that to be your commander in chief? And she has said, but you got to remember, John. You got to remember. Buddy, are you sure we're not being played by even Bernie Sanders? How do we know that Bernie Sanders is not in there simply provide the cover and to be a ringer for Hillary, the well, same as Ross Perot was for Bill? It's it's very possible because I had that feeling when he rendered the race that he would turn out to be the Democrats' Ron Paul. I thought that yeah. Ron Paul. And, said, and I, I thought he should have run as an independent. But the thing that makes me believe Bernie is for real is he was the only candidate who refused to go and speak at APAC in Washington and kiss their ass. Instead, he went to Utah and talked about there should be justice for Palestine. You have not heard anybody say that, except I will say your boy Donald Trump. He said if he in one of the debates, he said if he got into office, he was the only one who could negotiate a peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians. So I give that to your boy. You know, John, let me tell you something. The reason I'm for Trump, let me get that out of the way and make it very, very clear. Okay. I lived inside the Washington system for 30 years. I know the underbelly of Washington. I know them all. Now. The fact that the establishment hates Trump as much as they do and are going to the extremes they are, and I'm talking about the Republican Party establishment, going to the extremes they are to keep him from getting that nomination, to me, that is the best recommendation the son of a gun could have. Absolutely. Now, do I believe he's this great man? No. Do I believe he's going to be the greatest president ever hit the face of the earth? Don't know. Do I believe he's perfect? No. But I do know this. He might, John, be better than what we get if we elect the same people we've been electing over and over and over. 
You know, the key to truth is he might be better. The others, we guarantee we're going to get what we get. You know why you're right about that? Because if we elect the same kinds of disgraceful candidates we elect, we elect them, but the 1% select them, the 99%. But if we elect another one like Hillary, we will take our eyes off of the prize. But if we elect Donald Trump, everybody's going to be on their toes keeping their eyes on that son of a bitch. Look, I start with George W. Bush. You know, I finally helped participated. I participated in my way to get the world awake about Bill Clinton. I mean, hell, the world was wide awake at the end of Clinton's administration about him. They knew what he was. But I warned, I warned everybody when they elected George W. Bush, this Bible bumper, so-called, I said, you better be careful because you go back to sleep. We're going to be in trouble. Well, we went back to sleep. Look what we got. Iraq, Afghanistan. That's why you're right about uh, Don- Donald Trump. Absolutely and totally right about Donald Trump. You know, I don't claim, John, to be this person that can pick and choose what's right. I'm going to go with our forefathers, all right? They didn't know what was right either. But I'll tell you what they did. They had lived through what was wrong. And they set this country up foundationally as a negative contract. Hell, they didn't know what was right, but they knew what was wrong. That's why well, we called the, the great wrong, experiment. Some, some of the wrongs the founding fathers overlooked. They owned slaves, okay, and they slept That's with right. slaves, okay? They fathered yeah, bastard mulatto children. They did not allow yeah. women to vote. People, Children worked 18 hours a day, okay? They, that was our founding fathers. You couldn't vote unless you owned property. And Thomas Paine, the intellectual founder, the intellectual founder of this country with with his book, Common Sense, he is not even buried in this country and they wouldn't even allow him to vote when George Washington gave him citizenship. So, Larry, I, I must tell you, I am so pleased you sound so good, that you sound so angry and outraged and courageous. And I hope you come out very soon with the information that you have that can stop Hillary Clinton from getting the nomination. And I will do that. Don't even worry about that. Remember, Bill Clinton didn't write about me in his memoirs for the hell of it. He didn't write me in there because he liked me. Okay, why do you think Clinton survived Waco? I mean, when you look at, when, they when used they look, the system. They used the system we built. You used the system that we built, and I can make the pill of the hun look like the greatest gift that ever hit the face of the earth. It's all done mathematically. The system that we used, the system that Clinton used, the way you run a campaign, the way you run, everything is calculated and it works. Were some of the Clinton files destroyed and and stored in the Mirror Building in Oklahoma when it went down? The Murr building, yes, sir. Oh, my God. Some of them were, but I got some of them. Well, uh, I hate to ask you this, Larry, but when you, the day comes, I mean, listen, am I talking to a man who thinks he's talking on his deathbed and trying to get everything out before he goes? 
John, you're talking to a man that absolutely don't give two shits and a tinker's damn about anything except just telling the truth and stopping these son of a bitches that I said I would stop. Okay, the That's next it. question. That's it. I, okay, then I will uh, ask. I will ask this kind of selfishly. I mean, you only you have your own program on which to announce this, and you better announce it quickly. So, after you have announced what it is that you're going to announce that's going to stop Hillary, would you please come back here and announce it to me, course. my audience? Well, now listen, the program I do on Rinse Radio, the program I value on Rinse Radio is the time I have with Jeff Rinse. The program that I do, it's more of a training program, John, than it is a program like yours. My program is not all that informative. My program is simply to try to form people up, to teach people what they can do to help us stop this madness. And when I say madness, I'm talking about all of it. I'm telling you, the truth is, it, it, the word, America seems to have gone insane. And, and it's like we're our, we become our own little islands, then we have to take care That's of right. ourselves. That is not a society. You know, a yeah. society is, it's, it's, a, it's a family, it's a city, it's a town, it's a village. It's a country. We are no longer a country. We are like an occupied nation. The one percent of okay, and and it's gone. They, they achieved the coup in '63 when they murdered John Kennedy. I mean, it's not a coup that's going I on think now. That, they, they, listen, I think that's when the coup started. But I think you will find right now we are going through the end of the coup, which may very well have started back then, maybe even a little earlier. However, this is the last election we will have for you, you know, and I. I, I think will be relevant. Right. I hate to say it, but I do think you're right, and I think, quite honestly, that 98 percent of all Americans won't even care. They'll pick they up will. their remote controls and their their iPads and their iPhones and go on with their lives. All yep. revolutions start with the tiniest, smallest percentage. I mean, only you know, 5% the one, of Americans fought in the American Revolution. you got to remember our system. How did, look, there are no fences around Arkansas. We didn't force people to stay in Arkansas under Clinton's regime. What right. you learn is how to manipulate people, how to use social engineering. Well, and people that's in this going country have been Renee. social engineered to the point to where we're literally, you hate to say it because it's such a statements over years, but we're brain dead. You, well, on that note, I must tell you, thank God I'm talking to somebody who is not brain dead, even though a lot of the cells in his lungs are. Again, Larry, I want to thank you so much for being here. Now, we we want to help you raise some money through your book. Okay, tell us where they can get your book and tell us where they can look at your material and read your material. Because you're priceless. All right, can, all right, John, I don't, I don't sell a book anymore. I, that's how I talk. The only thing people can do if they want to help me, and only if they want to help. You know, I'm not out here hawking something. That ain't what I do. If they want to help me pay for this damn medicine, fine. You can go to PayPal, NicholsLives at AOL.com. Repeat that. If, if they want to help you pay for your medicine... 
they go to PayPal and it's Nichols dot live. Live. Nichols live. No, Nichols live at AOL dot com. Okay. And I will repeat that again at the end of the show. And Larry, thank, thank you. you so, so much for being here. And the next time you're talking to Jeff, uh, uh, please uh, give him my compliments and please take care of yourself. And I expect to be talking to you again very, very soon. We'll Look be forward right back. to it. And I'll if be you back with you anytime you have me, John. Okay, listen, Larry. If you have a chance, if you're not, if you're feeling up to it, I want you to stick around till after the break and listen to the best journalist in the country. His name's Joe Satilli. He works 18 hours a day putting out the most definitive newsletter you could ever read and it's extremely objective his name is joe satilli thanks larry we'll be right back folks with joe you're listening to bbs radio if it's not mainstream it's on bbsradio.com Most recently as the writer-director of what's been called the definitive documentary on JFK's murder, The Last Word on the Assassination. Now I'm doing a show every other Monday from 5 to 6 specific time on BBS. You'll hear provocative views, unreported news, and film reviews from me with outstanding guests and you. Join me on John Barber's World. This is John Barber of John Barber's World every other Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific right here on BBS Radio. I'm telling you about a terrific show, The New Criminal Minds with outstanding actor Gary Sinise, called Criminal Minds Beyond Borders, a tough drama about a special unit of the FBI involved in protecting Americans who are beyond borders. It follows the regular Criminal Minds, airing every Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 Central. Don't miss it. Gary Sinise is outstanding. Those of you who have an ongoing interest in the JFK assassination might want to know about this. TV producer John Barber. He put together a dream team of JFK researchers, including Coast regular Jim Mars and uh, world-class JFK writers, Dick Russell and Joan Mellon, they all got together at UNLV in front of a live audience. They had a screening of Barber's terrific, and I'd say historic, film based on interviews with uh, prosecutor Jim Garrison of New Orleans. And then after the film was shown, the experts all talked about the latest JFK theories and evidence. It's now out on a DVD. Terrific stuff. I'm George Knack, Coast to Coast AM. Thank you, George. And this is more terrific stuff coming up with with Joe Satilli. Again, I want to thank George for that wonderful unsolicited review. And I also want to thank the hundreds and hundreds of you who have gone to Amazon and, and bought the last word in the assassination with the proceeds going to 
part two, which we're going to try to start working on full-time the end of April. It's called The American Media and the Second Assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Also, I want to thank those of you who've been tuning into Gary Sinise on Beyond Borders. It's made my son's show or the show my son's working on number one in its time slot and hopefully it'll be picked up and maybe because it is, if it is he'll be in the one percent and his father will still be in the 99 <laughs> but now i want to welcome my cohort and one of the people i admire most in the world right now joe satilli joe welcome to the show you had a little brief visit with your doctor. I hope it's going better than it did with Larry. Yeah, well, it's, it's all tests at this point, but, um, you know, uh, you have to have high hopes. You know, what makes that uh, little ant think he can get rid of that rubber tree plant? plant? <laughs> yeah. You know that. It's What a fascinating interview uh, with Larry Nichols. And, you know, it kind of gets to this thing about the Clintons. It's this principle that I apply all the time when I'm looking at the news. Two things that seem completely opposite or contradictory can be true at the same time. And there is no doubt that there was a machine in place. The, you know, she called it the vast right-wing conspiracy, right? Yes. There was yep. a machine in place throughout the entire Clinton administration that was specifically tasked with the uh, undermining of the Clinton presidency. And it did go off in a lot of kooky directions. That's true. Meanwhile, though, there are a lot of things about the Clintons. There is a lot of smoke there that indicates that there is some fire. I will give you something that just I think is apt right here. It's an apt uh, uh, segue. Okay. Did you know that Tom Cruise had a big movie recently derailed by a lawsuit? Uh, what was the movie and what was the lawsuit? Well, the movie is called Mina. Oh, my God, yes. I wondered what happened to that. They announced it. That's months, right. Months he ago. was going to play Barry Seal. And That's the movie, right. And the movie just uh, of the end of last year was derailed by a lawsuit by a family member from, I believe, Barry Seal's first wife, who said that she actually has the rights to Barry Seal's story, not the second wife in the other family, and children uh, of his uh, – the second group of children that he had, they don't have the rights to sell the story. So locked up the, the movie, which means the movie is not going to come out before the election, which means the one thing that was in – sort of underlied all of these conspiracy theories and accusations of nefarious activities, Mena Airport in Arkansas, maybe one of the – primary cocaine importation points in the United States in the 1980s. And oh, by the way, there's a fascinating little book called The Boys on the Tracks. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Yes, about the two boys who were supposedly hit by a train out in rural Arkansas. And the and mother of one of the boys says, you know, I didn't, I didn't really buy it. She started digging around because it just didn't make sense. And it turns out that it's very likely that the boys stumbled upon a drug drop point and were killed and it was made to look like a uh, they were hit by a train when they were actually murdered because they stumbled into this uh, this drug importation um, operation you know 
there are a lot of things, and this is the, sort of the, the you oddity. Can, you can see that story on uh, the internet. There's some kind of documentary out there about mean it's like ten or twelve parts, and that's one of the uh, that's one of the stories. The two boys on the rails. Well, and you don't even have to go to so-called you know conspiracy uh, websites or conspiracy um, uh, purveyors to get that. Uh, Bill Plant. Formerly of CBS News, yes, you can find well. a report by CBS News on Barry Seal and the drug importation at Mena, Arkansas, and this is all happening during what time? During Bill Clinton's governorship. And if you're a governor of a state like Arkansas, which is a smallish state and a very connected state in terms of the the tentacles between the the governor's office all the way through the state trooper's office. If the state troopers are involved in shuttling around some of his paramours for him, you would think that he would have some sense that there is a drug importation airport that was built by the CIA in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and as I and I believe that there is plenty of evidence that the Rose Law Firm was involved in a negotiating contracts for the building of that airport, which means the Rose Law Firm was an intermediary between the CIA and the people who built the airport on behalf of the CIA or for the CIA, it would also then at least shed some light on why Bill Clinton and Poppy Bush have been such fast friends for so long. With the Barry Seal story, since it's it's in the news and it's a public story. Why would Cruz need permission from some obscure relative or ex-wife to be able to make that movie? Well, but you know how it is, John. You buy the rights to the story. So you have the Barry Seal story and and it, uh, his life story. Now, you can make an unofficial story, but I believe that they were making kind of an official story, much like if you were to buy the rights to uh, your book when it comes out, right? So – uh, if if your after your book comes out, if I decide I, I want to make the movie, I buy the rights from from you or uh, after you you should pass it from your estate or from your family, and then I go make the 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 movie. That's I guess it was going through sort of an official um, channels to make the to make the movie, but obviously the movie is tied up now, and it's a shame because I think this is one thing that most people. In America are unaware of, which is the extensive uh, um, intertwined drug importation operation that was the CIA and drug producing countries around the world, whether it's the uh, the Golden Triangle, Thailand uh, in Southeast Asia or Central and, of course, South America, Colombia and others. And it's true that in this day and age, a movie can do some, such wonderful things since Americans sure. don't read anymore. There was a time when Upton Sinclair wrote the, the, the Jungle that they, a book could change laws. A television show could change laws. No longer. But after the movie JFK, we realize the power that a film can have if it's done well. And it's really sad. I mean, the movie was going to be called Mina, so that's the name of an airport. It doesn't have to be called the Barry Seal story. He can just be one of the characters who happens to be in it. Yeah, but you see, I think he wanted to do the Barry Seal life story because Barry Seal, you know, went from being, I believe, it was a TWA pilot to being right. yes. the like the greatest CIA um, pilot 
that the agency has ever had. I mean, he could drop in anywhere and get out of anywhere. And there's sort of the, the rough and tumble of that. Now, one of the things that I find interesting about it is that it's still relevant because Mossack Fonseca is in Panama and there have been a number of stories now pointing to the uh, intelligence agencies using Mossack Fonseca and at least tangentially using Mossack Fonseca to do what? To hide and launder drug money. And, you know, this is that's the final rock that everybody's waiting to be turned over. But the thing is, is you don't have to go to Mossack Fonseca for that, because there was one of the great scandals of all time that almost nobody remembers. And that's the BCCI scandal. Oh, yes. And, the bank and, scandal. And the BCCI scandal was all about the CIA getting involved with uh, Pakistani intelligence services, with Saudi and Middle Eastern intelligence services, and using it to take drugs out of Afghanistan, another place famous for drug production where the United States has been at war. It's funny how wherever there's a big drug operation, there seems to be a hot war that the United States gets involved in. Uh, and the BCCI scandal is all about that. And by the way, the BCCI scandal cycles through Panama. And one of the people who was on the BCCI circuit was Manuel Noriega, along with Saddam Hussein, also on the BCCI circuit. Yes, yes. Okay, you have two stories today in the news vandal that are really interesting. And one is the one why it might be the age of Trump. Would you expand on that? Yeah, you mean the, the tech CEOs? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we are in a, at a time when it seems as if the these tech CEOs, uh, Mar, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg has just taken over the news cycle for 24 hours because he had, the, you know, he went to a conference and he announced that Facebook is going to go to all of, to bots. And these are um, uh, artificial intelligence, al algorithm driven chatbots that are going to start interacting with people on Facebook and how Facebook is going to transform. Uh, Elon Musk is in the news because of the success of SpaceX. Jeff Bezos is in the news. To, he's competing with Elon Musk to try and get to space. The things that used to be done, and it, that dovetails with another story on the, on the rundown, the first story on the democratization of science ushers in a new world order. We are in an environment in which it seems as if governments are unable to achieve the kind of common good or social good projects that they used to achieve. And so now you have these super wealthy uber billionaires, and I use that uh, um, both ironically and intentionally, that have the ability to move heaven and earth to achieve things that it seems that governments are no longer able to achieve. Wow. And then the other story that I found interesting, since Bernie did not go to APAC and instead went to Utah and spoke in defense of uh, the Palestinians, was the one entitled, Can Bernie Make It Without God?, which is a great headline, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll leave it to Vice. But isn't this the interesting thing about Bernie Sanders? Now, at, during one uh, debate, he did embrace his Jewish heritage, but he didn't seem to embrace it as a religious proposition. He seemed to embrace it as a uh, cultural proposition. I was just going to say it was cultural. It wasn't religious. Right. And, 
you know, I remember I actually cut this out and I put it on my cork board when back when I was uh, an undergraduate in colleges because George Herbert Walker Bush once said, you cannot be president of the United States of America without believing in God. And that has been a sine qua non of American politics for as long as you and I have been alive. And even if you don't believe in God, and I know of a, of a number of people who actually kind of think that Obama's probably at least an agnostic. He may be an atheist, but right. he's got to go through the motions because you got to do it. Well, Bernie Sanders is actually the first president who's not really going through the motions. Not at all. And you know, the greatest line I ever heard about that, a belief in God, was an atheist who said, I have the same proof that God does not exist that you have that he exists. I mean, that's brilliant. I mean, it says it all because you have no proof either way. And I think this is also why you hear some candidates talking about faith instead of God, because Uh it's a squishier notion that can be applied in a number of different. What a great uh, adjective. What a great adjective. (laughs) Squishy. (laughs) (laughs) Leave it to you. Yeah. Okay. So they're talking about faith. That's very true. You hear that more. You don't hear the belief in God thing. You do hear a lot of the Christian stuff. Well, but this is the thing about Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz's father is uh, a sort of charismatic evangelical millenarian. Who? Yeah. Oh, oh, an additional a word about Cruz's father. Have you seen the picture going around the internet of a the man that looks like Ted Cruz's father? Standing next to Lee Harvey Oswald in New Orleans. This oh, morning. no. Yes. There's a story going around. Oh, my goodness. The story, I'll have to send it to you. The story is going around is that the father was connected with the Central Intelligence Agency. And they list these outfits that he belonged to. And there are records of him showing that he belonged to them. Half of them connected to the intelligence community. So I have to send it to you, plus that picture. I've gotten dozens from from all over the world, people sending them to me, saying, John, have you seen this about Cruz's father? Uh, I'm, I just looked it up right now, and here it is. And so he, here's the funny thing. There's a guy who used to um, be in the that initial cadre of neocons who worked for the Reagan administration or inside the Reagan administration along with Elliot Abrams and – and Paul Wolfowitz and Richard Pearl and John Negroponte. There was one guy, he was a Cuban exile who was kind of a, a hit squad guy with Felix Rodriguez. You know that name, I know. Oh, quite. yes, yes, yes. And, and I love it. He was a Cuban, and, and his name was Otto Reich. Oh, and you, yeah, a lot of Cubans named Otto Reich, John. Didn't you know yeah. that? Because, you know... When they when they came over from they came over from Spain, Otto Reich, you know, and you think about this guy Rafael Cruz, and you look at him. Isn't it funny how all of the exile Cubans, none of them are the the dark skinned Cubans. They're all the 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 really really white Cubans, and they all seem to be right wingers, and they all seem to get sucked all up. Of, yeah, all- and and also about Ted Cruz himself. Uh, just because his father may have been involved with the CIA doesn't mean that that the son inherited that. It's like, who's that actor who was on Cheers who has grown into quite a good actor and a semi-social... Lee Harrelson. Uh, uh, Harrelson, right. Okay, his father 
was a murderer, convicted murderer, and, and may have been one of the shooters in Dallas, as a matter right. of fact. But the son is terrific. So just because the father, I know, because uh, the internet is filled with vitriol against Barack Obama because they say his father is really a communist, and his father is not the man that they say he was, but this communist who raised him. Well, listen, okay, that doesn't make Barack Obama a communist. And they said, well, the father read Das Kapital. And I say, well, it means he's not a communist. He just informed about Das Kapital. <laughs> You're right. Well, so, and, uh, you know, I think one of the things that's interesting, too, and I uh, I listened, of course, to, to Larry Nichols, and I understand for somebody of Larry Nichols' generation why it matters. But we really are in a post-ism political world. The the old left and right and communism and capitalism, it's really now about in and out, up and down, wealthy, poor, uh, powerful. You know the ism that we need? Optimism. Optimism. <laughs> That's the ism that we need, honest to God. And yeah. I couldn't live without it, I'm telling you. I just – I have a very hard – I can see all that's wrong, but I have a very, very hard time – digesting it and i try to recycle it to humor for the most part because how else do you survive well i actually have a great deal of optimism interestingly enough i think that there is a lot of pain to be had and i think that climate change and climate migrations and wars and just diminishing resources are all going to apply pressures but when you look at young people today in america particularly the people who are supporting bernie sanders not saying i'm endorsing bernie sanders but i'm saying the optimism and the um, imperviousness to old-style politics, because Bernie Sanders has had, has had all these labels thrown at him, but they stick with him because they believe in something better. And they are not getting their news from television. They are not getting their news from traditional sources. They are unplugged. They are interconnected to one another, and they seem to have a vitality which belies – the landscape. I must tell you, the most astonishing thing to me is that when I was a youngster, I lived in a world of adults. All of our performers and entertainers and movie stars were adults. But after the Beatles, we we moved into a world of children. Right, right. Children became the stars. Children is what it is that we would admired. But when you look at the young people who support Bernie Sanders, first of all, that the young people would be following and believing a man who is in his 70s. Right. I mean, to me, that is astonishing. And it speaks volumes to the fact that there must be some kind of tuning mechanism in young people that tunes out the lies of the mainstream media. And somehow they've tuned into the decency and what a nice word that is. Okay, a seven-letter word, decency. He is the only candidate who seems to not only possess that quality of decency, because I'm sure he could find out stuff about Hillary and say stuff about Hillary a lot worse than Larry Nichols, but he doesn't. He doesn't. He's just, no, he's no, there is so much bait, and he is not taking it. And I think it's actually contributing to this imperviousness of his supporters, that they – they feel like they're actually um, – they are not benighted. They actually are have a cause that they are 
they are fighting for, that they are part of. They're part of something bigger. And I think one of the interesting things, you know, you brought up the Beatles in the 60s and and how they are now going for this 70-year-old. You know, I really see this election on the Democratic side as a choice between the idealism of the 60s and the cynical sellout of the 60s, because nobody, you know, who who represents the sellout of the baby boomers from the ideals of the 60s more than the Clintons? Because that's what they were. That's what the 90s was. Uh, And here's um, Bernie Sanders, who is still carrying the flame of the 60s, and they seem to be choosing the idealism over the sellout. And astonishing again is the fact that so many blacks support Hillary Clinton when Bernie Sanders was in Chicago fighting for equal rights for blacks, and they're not supporting that man. I mean, it's baffling. It's also baffling that some of the black leaders haven't come out strongly in support of Bernie because of the proof of his actions. I mean, he's proven that he's out there. And then again, Verizon was on strike, I believe, a week ago in New York, and he went on strike. with He, he marched the picket lines with the strikers. I mean, how terrific is that? Anyway, uh, Joe, your prediction on what will happen to New York and to California? Um, I do think that Hillary is going to pull New York out, but it's it's going to be close. I think Trump is going to take New York because Ted Cruz cannot overcome his New York values comment. You just can't do that in New York. Yeah, uh, that's I think Trump will take New York. Yeah, I, I think I think, on the other hand, Bernie will take New York unless there is some real skullduggery, unless the Clintons can destroy the machinery in New York the way they did in Arizona. And that lawsuit, by the way, is still going on. Yeah, I mean, it's it. I think it is so close. It is so tight and it can go in so many directions. And, you know, Bernie is correct when he says that it is about turnout. If if people flood flood the, the, the polls. He 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 can take New York. I think California is a much different proposition. I think the one to watch on the Republican side is Pennsylvania, because the uh, delegates are, uh, there are unbound, which means that Ted Cruz can do what he is doing so well, which is go in either before or after the fact and realign the um, voting preferences of the delegates through arm twisting and um backroom electioneering and it's very been very effective for him i think mostly what that means is is that i cannot see that this is not going to end up being a broker convention on the republican side on the democratic side if bernie wins new york like you say i think all bets are off i think if he wins new york he'll run away with uh, he'll run away with california the only way that he will lose new york is if the clintons shut down the places where people can vote because in in Phoenix, some people had to stand four hours in line yeah. to try to vote because they cut the voting places in half. And then they allowed – they had early voting by mail. So people were voting seven weeks beforehand. And once that happened, they shut down a bunch of these polling places. Did you hear that comment that Trump made, uh, I believe, two days ago at a speech, I think in Rochester, about the corruption of the system? Did you hear it? Oh, yeah. And he said it's corrupt on both sides. Yeah. Let's see if I I can play this thing here. Hang on just a second. Hang on. Let's see if we can play this. Here we go. Well, it goes away. Oh, hang on. 
can't, I can't push it. I think I think I got a signal that our time was up. Okay, hang on. Oh, a you second. have all the time in the world. Oh, oh, we can't hang. Don't go away yet, Joe. I want to see if you can hear this. Um, it is uh, first. There's a commercial here for a show. Oh God, what is it called? It's called Blacklist. Have you ever seen or heard of this show? No, not at all. Joe? No. No, neither have I. It's got a very good actor. Okay, now hang on just a second. Here's Trump. Here's Trump. Come on. Come on. Play it. Oh, my computer won't play it. Well, it's Trump saying, Bernie, Bernie, I hear about Bernie. He wins here, he wins there, he wins every place. And what happens is they say he's not ahead. He said... That's because the system's corrupt, and it's more corrupt on the Republican side because here I go and win Louisiana and get millions of votes more than this Cruz guy, and Cruz ends up getting the delegates. And that's why I said earlier to Larry Nichols, the best thing about his entering this race is bringing sewage to the top, you know. Well, I think the interesting thing about this entire election season is I think it's exposing to the American people the flaws and the inherent fallacy of the two parties, that they are they are small d democratic, that they are actually representative of the votes and will of the people that they say they represent, and that the two parties are somehow synonymous with the American Republic. The American Republic, the Constitution exists on its own, the parties themselves, you know, these processes, they can get away with doing it however they want. And I think that that's a wake up call for people who kind of felt like, well, yeah, the two party system, that's a part of our democracy. No, these are groups of individuals who have imposed themselves on the republic, like lampreys on the side of a shark and are <laughs> sucking it dry. Well, you're right. And on that note, I want I first of all, I want to thank uh, again, Larry Nichols for through all that adversity coming on and doing such a spirited show. I want to thank also my producer, Mike Kim, without whom I would not even do this show. And again, Joe, I still I wouldn't do the show if I couldn't have you on every week to talk to. It's just a delight to know that somebody like you is around. So now, having said that, you tell us where they can get your news vandal and where else they can hear you. Uh, go to newsvandal.com, N-E-W-S-V-A-N-D-A-L.com, and uh, a little screen will pop up. You can sign up there. You can also uh, look up the, my recent piece, Monsanto's Willing Executioners. Monsanto's, yes, Monsanto's Willing Executioners, folks. That's what I titled it. It's on Truth Out. It's done quite well there, and it's a very interesting story. And then you can listen to me this Friday on Crew FM. Uh, K-R-U-U-F-M, if you type that in, you can listen to Inside the Headlines live over the Internet at 2 p.m. Pacific on Friday. And uh, also I'd like to thank uh, uh, Doug and Don Newsom. Doug was my engineer today, and they are two twin brothers in California who own BBS Radio and just do an absolutely fabulous job for all of their hosts. I'm off now. Uh, We could talk a little longer, but I took my new kitty into the vet this morning to be neutered and the kitty needs to come home and I need to have a long <laughs> Yeah, and I'll, I'll be flying the flag at half staff for him. Okay, thank you so much, folks. And we'll talk to you on 
on Monday when the fabulous John Potash is here to talk about how drugs are destroying America. You don't want to miss that or miss Joe back with us again. You all have a terrific weekend. Talk to you again on Monday. Bye, Joe. Bye. Sunny, 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 I love you.